Wild Country Nation. It's time for your Saturday morning wake-up call. Northwest Wild Country is on the air. Welcome to America's number one fishing, hunting, and outdoors radio show. And it's all brought to you by Waypoint Marine Group in Ballard and by Garmin Electronics. Now your Wild Country crew, Dwayne England, and your host, Joel Shangle. Happy Saturday morning, Northwest Wild Country Nation. It is uh, Saturday, the 17th of December, 2016, and the uh, winter has officially arrived here in the Pacific Northwest. It's about, uh, what, 30 degrees outside? How, how, how cold is it outside? No, right? it I wouldn't didn't be even that warm. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, balmy 22. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, it was 20 when I left home. I think it might be 25 in the city. Mm-hmm. 25 in the city. Yes, sir. Ready for a nice, warm, roasty, toasty day today here in the Wild Country Studios. I saw our buddy Tony Softly put a post on his Facebook page. It's 26 in Seattle. He put 26 exclamation point like that never happens. Like, yeah, it gets cold here, Tony. You <laughs> right. know that. Uh, so we have had a uh, we've had a little bit of a shift, obviously, in the uh, weather. We, of course, discussed this uh, at, at length last week. But the bottom line is that uh, we're in the we're in the front end, I would say, of the of the steelhead season. You spent some time on the water this week. Yeah, I got out a couple times. Yesterday was uh, fantastic. I mean, yeah, it's cold, you know, mm-hmm. and you think, well, we'll just take our time and wait till that sun hits the water and they'll start biting. All I can tell you, they were snapping right away. First thing was kind of impressive. Yeah. It was it was maybe, again, 22 degrees mm-hmm. by the time we hit the water, mm-hmm. which is dang cold, Joel Shangle. The hands, the feet, the whole deal, you know, get the little heater going in the boat if you need to, but... I stayed busy rowing most of the day, so I, oh, was, yeah. I was pretty comfortable. That's what those, those Gray Harbor's unders are for, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man. Those things, yeah, and if, uh, if you know if that sun does, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, you get out in a little open water and that sun's beating on you, and you think, man, I got to start peeling layers. Then you go around the next corner and you're, you know, <laughs> no sun. Uh, no sun. It's, it's obscured by a bluff. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. you know, the guides or your guys are freezing up again. And yeah, it's, it is, uh, it is winter steelhead in, in its essence. And man, I tell you, I, Cold mornings are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The sun mm-hmm. comes out and it's crystal clear and cool. Yep. Um, nobody should complain about that. And there was no wind. Absolutely no wind. It was fantastic. The fish, you know, the fishing was good. The water conditions are ideal. Yep. And pretty good pretty good conditions all the way around, if you ask me. Bottom oh. line is I mean, so the rain's gonna it's gonna show up here shortly. But uh, 20th. No, no rain no rain to worry about. I mean, just I mean cold temperatures, I mean that's just is what it is. I mean, that's just kind of life. Yeah, but yeah, but but good, but but good fishing. Um, not not a whole lot of traffic yet. I mean, that's going to change over the next mm, handful of days. I would January guess. January's just around the corner. Oh, it's Everybody coming right. Waiting for January. It's coming right up. It's, it's coming right up. But, uh, but uh, seventy boats a day. If you have the ability to get out, uh, you should go ahead and do so before things go uh, go too crazy out there on the rivers. But uh, here's what's gonna, what's going to be on the show this morning. So we're going to spend a fair amount of time kind of uh, bouncing all over the place. But um, last week we had a a fairly active discussion about uh, the continued uh, transition period for uh the 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 change in the structure of the the fishing seasons for mainstem Columbia River gillnets and we're going to continue with that discussion today as a matter of fact if if any of you out there listening or watching were present at the the meeting last week we'd like to hear from you because word from the meeting has been has been Boy, it's been few quiet, and far huh? between. Haven't heard yeah. a heck of a lot of anything. I did. I did catch one Facebook thread mm-hmm. that I could not find this morning. I, t- I tried to locate it. I couldn't find it. But but we haven't spoken to really much of anybody who attended that meeting, and I'm kind of surprised by that. I'm surprised there hasn't been a lot more chatter uh, kind of around the interwebs. Yeah, I saw a few things uh, just right after the meeting, which mm-hmm. you know this particular topic was last Saturday down mm-hmm. Olympia, and yep. uh, 
it was it was favorable, I guess, from a Washington standpoint. You Seems know, like I, the things that I was reading, and mm-hmm. I don't know, you can never really validate it unless it's somebody who was you know truly involved. But uh, the vote is kind of hedging it, you know, six three seven two in favor of you know toting the line. Yep. Uh, of course, we'll we'll get more into this as we go on because yep. um, we're going to talk to one of the men who was actually there. Uh, we representing. will. We will indeed. He will be actually our first uh, guest on the line. That's uh, Dave Graybill, who's a Fish and Wildlife Commissioner. Of course, the, the, the Graybill name is very familiar to the sport anglers throughout uh, Eastern Washington, especially. But pretty good chance that that uh, if you read any have read any magazines over the past I don't know fifteen to twenty years or have, mm-hmm. have checked the web, you've seen you've seen either Dave or his, or his brother Rick. But uh, deeply involved in the fishing industry, and, and Dave, of course, is is a commissioner. We're going to pick his brain a little bit about about how this particular issue may actually swing in the Fish and Wildlife Commission, as of course we've documented before. the The Oregon their Oregon counterparts appear to be favoring an extension of the transition period for another year. They're they're giving themselves the room, I guess, is the best way to describe it, mm-hmm. to take another year to debate whether they will actually maintain the agreed upon change in main stem Columbia River uh, gillnet practices. And if they hold their ground on that, Shangle, if they yeah. if they yep. decide, yeah, this is the direction we are going to go, we're going to put mm-hmm. it off for another year, and Washington yeah. ultimately decides, and they're going to vote on it here in the future, and again, we'll get into that with Dave, but they, yeah. they decide, hey, we're going to follow the plan as it was laid in motion three years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you have two states sharing common water with different management philosophies in the coming year. Going to be interesting discussion. With it's Dave, a potentially, no it's a potentially very, very murky, very muddy, very messy situation. It already, mm-hmm. it already is, obviously, but uh, it could become even worse if, if we do have two, two varying votes from two varying c- c- commissions, and then you know we have to find out what, what, what is the next level? What's what the next mean? step? Where do we go mm-hmm. to from there? Yep. Yeah. So, anyways, Dave will join us here in the in the six o'clock hour. Also, in the six o'clock hour, we we didn't get to a whole bunch of texts that uh, we wanted to get to last week when uh, John McMillan was live in studio. Yeah. We had extremely active participation on the text line, but we just had so much going on here in the studio that we really didn't get a chance to get to a lot of it. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time and pick our way through it. There are a handful of issues that uh, that we saw repeatedly on the text line. And at, in six, at about 625 or so, we'll spend some time Walking through a handful of those texts, and by the way, the text is open. If you if if you want to go ahead and chime in on this whole thing, you can. But we're going to spend some time talking about the Puyallup and the Nisqually mm-hmm. because we got probably more texts about those two rivers than we did anything else combined. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, potential the potential proposed dam on the Chehalis. So um, got some housekeeping to do as far as text. It was a great discussion with McMillan. John actually will actually be able to, to join us. On the phone here in the next handful of weeks. He wasn't available today. He has things going on. But he'll yeah. join us over the next handful of weeks to answer some of the questions. And, and let's maintain this conversation. Let's keep it on the Facebook page. Let's mm-hmm. keep it going on the text tool. If you have um, observations or questions or complaints about steelhead and steelhead management here in the state of Washington, Oregon, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. I was, <laughs> looking at the text, looking at the I was text, tool, the text side. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when that thing starts firing off, yeah, we're yeah. going to – and you're right. We had John – and Ripley in studio last mm-hmm. week, and John is just you know so spot on when he's talking. You just want to let him yeah. go and listen. And uh, the 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 text just kept coming in. It was uh, you know very very good uh, line of questioning, very good information. Um, I think the uh, you know particular interest is the the Puyallup and the Nisqually. Mm-hmm. I think it only took a little bit of John throwing out there the numbers he did relative to the steelhead coming back last year. Yep, and it it got a lot of attention sure did. from people sure did. they perked up and went holy smokes what what's going on here and how yeah. is that even possible 
um, looking back to where it was and now where it's come from. And hopefully, as we talked about in depth, that it continues to go down that road. But mm-hmm. uh, really exciting information in that regard. Um, yeah, you know what? I want to see this text line just go ahead and crank up again. Yeah, We absolutely. have a little extra time today to get caught up on a handful we of do. things. Let's, we let's do. make sure we do that. So The uh, the interesting part about uh, both of those two rivers, Dwayne, of course, is, as you are well aware, they are – I would wager within at least the radio listening audience, those two are, are probably the most important to the to the wide array of people who listen to oh, the yeah. show. Th- mm-hmm. Those two have been have been part of you know kind of steelhead uh, history in the Seattle area for years and years and years and years and years. Throw so the, the green line, in there too, absolutely the right? green as well, mm-hmm. the green as well. I'm surprised. We we got a few comments about the green, but most yeah. of them were you know those those two. However, so we'll spend some time. Between six thirty and six forty-five, talking a little bit about you know some of the questions that we didn't get to in the seven o'clock hour, we're going to kind of clear the decks and we're going to have the official Haugen <laughs> half hour, I guess is what you're going to call it. The Haugen half, the hour. Haugen half hour, oh, very nicely done. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you follow the Haugens on social media, you'll notice that uh, that Scott has been busy in um, in the duck blind of the goose field, mm-hmm. and Tiffany has been busy at the grill at the you know, doing the things that she does as well. So we're going to kind of take a little bit of a different approach to the Haugens. We're going to do a discussion about uh, uh, duck and goose hunting and preparation. But we're not going to split the two apart. We're going to actually have Scott and Tiffany on at the same time, and we're going to go one-to-one. We're going to ask Scott a hunting question mm. and then Tiffany a, a matching cooking question. So it's a little bit of a different format, but the bottom line is we have the Haugen's Times 2 from 7 until about 7.30. So if you have questions yeah. about either how to kill or how to cook ducks or geese, get on the text tool or call in because they will be here for the full half hour. We'll, we'll be uninterrupted. We've got the big picture segment that, that's yep. uninterrupted, no commercials from 7 to 7.30. Yep. Uh, bottom line is that we'll have a whole lot of information courtesy of Scott and Tiffany Haugen. And then we'll finish up, of course, with uh, Steelhead Nation. Dwayne's got uh, – Dwayne's got. I, I'm excited about this particular program. Really? Yeah, yeah, this is good. This is going to be good. Well, I mean, it's – you know, we're going to kind of just break down some basics relative to side drifting. Yep. A lot of people do it. Um, it's – I'm going to be just completely 100% honest here, as we normally are. It's probably, like, my least favorite way to fish, to be (laughs) honest, you know, because there's so many other better options for me and what I like to do. But it's very effective. But, you know, we're going to talk about rod selection, a couple different options Mm -hmm. here with Lama Glass and some things to think about, and just kind of some different presentations you can use. It's not the same old, same old, man. Mm -hmm. There's some different Mm -hmm. things you can actually do that will improve your uh, uh, opportunity and success when it comes to something as simple as side drifting indoor drift fishing. So uh, the the uh, Wild Country Nation Pro Cam will start at uh, about 7.30, and then we've got kind of another uh, open segment at 7.40. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So bottom line is we've got all kinds of open room today. We have a handful of guests planned out, but if you guys want to contribute, uh, you should. Because, by the way, heads up. Next Saturday we're not we're not on the air. Oh, we, we that's have, right. We have next Saturday off. Mm. We had planned on doing the Christmas show, but uh, we have NFL football. Triple they got header. that NFL thing yeah, going you know, on. Yeah, yeah those tri- guys. They make letter. a little more money than us. They, they do. Probably, they do indeed. Their salary is a little bit bigger carpet. than ours. Yeah. Slightly bigger, not too yeah, much. Not much. But I'm to, you, but man. if you want to chime in, now's the time to do it because uh, after we're off the air, we're off for two weeks before our um, our, our our New Year's show, mm-hmm. which by the way we're going to just kind of kind of 
stumble into the to the wild four today. We're calling it the wild four today. <laughs> you have yet to complete a five in the last three. Ah, four weeks. you know, I mean, we have a guest at the end of it, so we, we figured we'd give him a little bit oh, extra time on that point. whole thing. Yeah. Um, if you again to repeat item number one, if you were present at the Fish and Wildlife Commission, if you if you mm-hmm. were if you were around last Saturday down in Olympia, we'd love to hear from you because we've we've heard very little information. We don't really have a great impression of what exactly was said, and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. I mean, bottom line, Dwayne, is that this issue is one that I think is is probably going to be front and center for most anglers, certainly anglers who who care to fish the Columbia River. Yeah, I mean, the vote is pending, right? And, uh, you know, we'll get into that with Dave, but the vote is pending. And, uh, you know, we still have yet to hear from anybody who uh, holds a seat in the District 19 offices, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I had that brief discussion with Dave, and, and uh, the commission is well aware of that. Um, that that is, uh, that is an opportunity for folks, if you are concerned in the direction this thing is going to go, that you get on the phone, you send the emails to your, you know, representatives and your senators and whatnot in your district and make sure that they're uh, up to speed on what's going on, how important this is. Uh, I think we're going to come out pretty favorable here in Washington. But uh, if if folks are kind of hearing other rumblings out there, maybe, you know, we don't hear everything, Shangle. I mean, we're pretty good at picking stuff up, but we don't hear everything. So if you're actually hearing some things that give you or cause you concern in the direction this vote may go, you know what, text us up or give us a call. Uh, we'd love to have that conversation. Definitely would. Item number two, speaking of text or give us a call or message, so I don't know if you've seen this or not, but Senator Kirk Pearson is asking for input yeah. on fishing and hunting um, fee increases. Now, this right. is this is something that obviously we, uh, you know, again, we've, we've kicked this around a fair amount. I mean, people are fairly fairly displeased with the fact that, that we're looking at a, a potential 30% increase in, in fishing fees, uh, an additional increase in hunting fees as well, and, and one of the senators wants wants to know your opinion about it. Yeah. I think he, uh, hopefully he's getting an overwhelming response, and I would yep. gather that the majority of it is possibly in favor of it. But, we, again, we'd like to quit losing opportunity mm-hmm. and, you know, the yep. ability to go out and, and do what we love to do. And where's that money going? You know, let's be very defined on where the money's going and why the fee increases are, are needed. Um, I know in the past when uh, Director Unsworth was in here, he uh, kind of walked us down that road as far as, they're really making an effort to move forward in providing what it is we as a recreational community have asked for, i.e., you know, certain hatchery programs to maintain or improve, yep. certain rivers to uh, receive uh, XYZ amount of plants, different trout programs, whatever your niche is throughout the state and those that weighed in. They took all that in and they kind of looked at it um, with a broad brush and they, you know, focused them down to, to a number of ones that they can manage and they said, hey, this stuff's going to cost money. How much money is it going to cost? And they put a they forecasted a budget on that, um, and also obviously to maintain what they're currently trying to do. So uh, that'll be a, that'll be a um, controversial topic. I um, I would suggest folks get on online there and uh, send their information into uh, Kirk Pearson and, and, and get that get that going. Yeah, send comments to his email Kirk at leg Of course, you've got to, you know just a little bit of time to to kind of contribute to this whole thing. It was on Facebook too, I think. You Indeed, correct. Also on Facebook. To, go yep. to his Facebook page. You're going to see that he is more than willing to uh, accept your recommendations or information. We have a quick text to lead off the morning. How will the incoming president's policy affect our sport fishing policies? That's a discussion that we're going to kind of go ahead and maintain over the next handful of, of months as we get into uh, the kind of the transition to the new presidency. We talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit. Uh, right after the elections were finished, the uh, bottom line is that um, yeah, anytime there is a change in administration, 
you have to expect some sort of changes in the management of your resources. Yeah, well, I would uh, I would try to bring it back down to earth a little closer here at home and just simply look up uh, mm-hmm. what Jay Inslee's platform was when he ran for re-election and kind of see where he stood on some of the issues sure he thing. brought forth relative to our outdoors, managing the, the, the land and the resources, and kind of, you know, see where he's going and hold his feet to the fire, make sure he follows through on some of the campaign promises he made. We're going to jump ahead to item number four. We have a new world record bass holder, a spotted bass caught in Northern California yesterday by Sims Pro Cody Meyer. Cody, we're going to we're going to show a, a photo of this this creature here on the TV screen shortly, but but good god, man, Ten that thing pounds. Are you kidding me? Ten I mean, and a half pounds. Bigger than a butterball turkey. That thing is a freak of nature. Good job, buddy. Thank you, man. It was unbelievable. It's so funny. We we literally just spoke uh, last week about about some of the stuff, you know, like yep. the Garland pan optics and stuff like that. And I, I went up there yesterday to this reservoir, and you know, just went up to have fun with a good friend, and uh, ended up catching this thing. I mean, the fish of a lifetime. I've, I've grown up here in Northern California. You know, I fished for spotted bass my whole life, and to actually catch a 10.80 spotted bass is unbelievable. I mean, to, to see that thing in person, you know, I've caught a ton of eight-pounders, which is, is a monster. I mean, I fish from California to Florida to New York, everywhere in between, and a three-pounder is big. But I've caught a ton of eight-pounders on this particular lake, and then to catch this thing is, is just unreal well okay so so that fish of course is is a is a true giant but what impresses me even more is the fact that i mean that that was far from the biggest fish or, i mean uh, it, it was far from the only big fish i mean that you guys have caught i mean that but tell me a little bit about that particular day because it sounds like it was it was just ridiculous it, it was it was unbelievable you know so we start off get there first light uh you know, I, I know the lake pretty well. We pull up to this one point that's always been good in the past, and I find out there fishing six pound tassel and weightless strike King Ocho, and I catch a six point six six to start the day, first five minutes, and you know, high five, and we're pretty stoked. Put that fish uh, in the live well real quick. The water's really cold, so I don't have to worry about killing the fish. And then I fly back out, and I caught an eight point three five. So within the first ten minutes, I mean, the day is just—it's unbelievable already. So we fish around, about an hour later, we come back to the same exact spot. My buddy who was with me caught a 747, and then I caught that 1080, and I literally was on the phone talking to the fishing game warden about getting this thing certified, because it's a huge process, and uh, I fire back out there, cast out there, and I caught an eight, uh, almost an eight and a half. One of them on the phone with the game warden. So what? It, it was just uh, one of those days. You I know, mean, Shingle, so- when I hear numbers like 747, I'm thinking, Jim. Yeah. When I hear 1080, I'm thinking high yeah. def, uh, you know, video <laughs> yeah, footage and right. things. I'm not thinking spotted bass when I hear 1080. I'm just being honest. I mean, I'm just doing some quick math here, and what you just recited goes over 40, what, 42, 43 pounds? How, how, yeah. how much did you catch yeah. in five fish? That's ridiculous. It, it was right around 42 pounds. You know, in, in my cold right. They're actually lighter than, the, you know, like my column right said that fish was a, was a 1070. So, yeah. uh, and then it certified at 1080, which, so the column right, the way I weighed the fish on is a little bit light. So those fish, you know, it was easily 42, maybe 43 pounds on a tournament scale, uh, which is, I'll be honest, I mean, across the country, I've, I've caught a, a few 40-pound bags, uh, none outside of California. And to do it with spotted bass. That's- that's unheard of. That's I it's mean, that's absolutely unheard of. I mean, I'm going to try to translate this to the Pacific Northwest salmon guy. That's like catching five 
65 pound Chinook. Yeah. I mean, that's literally, I mean, that, that's exactly the translation <laughs> yeah. there. I mean, I mean, you know, spotted bass just don't get this big anywhere else. No. What's going on there? No. It's, uh, and, and it's the only lake uh, around this area that, that they stock kokanee salmon. You know, it's a landlocked mm-hmm. salmon, it's a kokanee. Mm-hmm. They stock them in this lake. So these bass just gorge on these kokanee and they're super fat. And uh, they're, they're just, they don't even look real. You, you send a picture out there and people are like, hey, that's a Photoshop. This is what they It's like, but until you see it in person, it is, it's just amazing. And so the schedule of this fishery, Cody, this 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 spotted bass bass fishery in general. I mean, you know, the 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 start of winter through the dead of winter. Is this something that, that you'll do? Obviously, I mean, you, you don't expect to catch any more ten pounders. I wouldn't imagine, but who who the heck knows? Maybe you will. But is this something you can catch fish like this throughout the the whole winter? Uh, yeah, yeah. So so what I typically do is uh, I start going. This is my first time I've went uh, since I've been home, and so December, you know, Thanksgiving on, it starts getting cool up here. And uh, they will start biting. For some reason, they love the cool water. They don't like the summer months. And so, you know, from now, really until they spawn, which will be uh, all the way up until about May, this place should be really, really good. The problem is it's a small place. The fish don't live everywhere. So, obviously, it's going to be a zoo out there. Yeah. Uh, boats, boats on every point. But, you know, that's all right. They're, they're still really hard to catch. You know, those big spotted bass do not typically live on the bottom. So, so, uh, you know, you'll see guys out there that are dragging worms on the bottom, fishing fishing real slow. These fish are they're offshore, they're suspended. So if you don't have technology like that going pan optics, you're not going to be able to find these fish. And, you know, you're not going to be able to catch them. So it's just uh, it's a combination of new technology and just kind of knowing that, hey, these big fish, they only eat kokanee. Uh, you know, what's their, what's their migration pattern and what are these fish, you know, doing throughout the day? Did you by chance chance catch that thing on something that looked like a kokanee? Because I know that's what I'd be using. <laughs> you know, I I actually did not do it. You know, there was a. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a soft plastic bait. You know, there's no bait fish in here. The kokanee eats uh, the plankton. And uh, this fish, this big spot, ate a five inch soft plastic bait that looks like a. Maybe it looks like a dying kokanee, but it really doesn't. It's it pretty bizarre. Yeah. But for some reason, they just they don't eat swim baits. You know, I mean, guys will go up there and throw kokanee looking swim baits and stuff like huh, that. That's crazy. It's too hard to catch them on that. Huh? Unbelievable, yeah, crazy yeah. deal. If you don't follow this guy on social media, you should because mm-hmm. I mean he'll he'll post pictures that'll blow your mind. I mean, obviously, go look at him now. It's Cody Meyer, spelled M E Y E R. Right. Of course, a very successful left W Tour Pro, one of my buddies on tour, really you know yeah. one of the better guys. Cody, listen, thank you. I know, listen, catching you at at six twenty on a Saturday morning. We have like a snowball's chance in hell to do that, but we actually caught you this morning because <laughs> I, him down, I yeah. know you were doing some other radio this morning. So I appreciate your time, buddy. Really good, really good to hear your voice. Yes, thank you guys so much for having me on this morning. Yeah, man, catch you later, Cody. Have a good one. All right, thank you. That thing is a pig. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, basically fills up his entire live well. I mean, it's you know, ten eighty spotted. I understand. You know, people up here don't understand the whole. No. The whole I mean, the importance of uh, not the importance, but just the, the significance of a of an almost eleven pound spotted bass. I mean, it's it's just uh, the. 
it just never happens. It's impressive that um, the number of large bass, mm-hmm. large mouth, spotted, small mouth, oh, yeah. you know, continuously that come out of different parts of California year yeah. in, year out. Yeah. It yep. just has been a bass staple for, well, forever. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive. It still maintains its ability, don't it? Pretty crazy. We're going to jump yeah. off for our first break of the morning. When we come back, we're going to dive back into the text tool. And, of course, Wild Country Nation, if you have a question or a statement or if you have a report, anything you want to hear, just go ahead and just send it into 49451. We'll talk a little bit about the Puyallup and the Squally, also about uh, the potential for a, a dam on the Chehalis. Come on back to Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Let's go straight to the text tool for the morning. This is just actually kind of a good leaping off point for our discussion about the Puyallup and the Squally. Of course, okay. uh, Shane, Shane V, of course. They, oh, uh, yeah. Yep. One of our longtime buddies here mm-hmm. on the Wild Country. Former cameraman. Former camera guy, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's right. Been, he's been part of the gang for quite a while now. Quite some uh, He says, regarding the Puyallup, I'm assuming the Wild Steelhead need the chum run to put nutrients in the water. Uh, it seems like that run is declining. However, will this potentially hurt Wild Steelhead that are fighting to return? Thanks, guys. Shane V. Well, so the uh, the steelhead need uh, you know substantial nutrient mm-hmm. base, and uh, the you know the upper the upper watershed of the Puyallup. If you if you take time to pull up maps and look at this vast region that we have, you and when you talk about the watershed, mm-hmm. I, I pulled it up again here, Shangle, just to look at it. I mean, it it's a huge it really area. Is. It just covers, it really is. yeah, and mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of little creeks and streams and things. And I remember as a kid fishing the Puyallup, the Carbon, South Prairie Creek. There's all these little side channels. They almost look like ditches and mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and in uh, in November, December, you would see chum running up these ditches. They, they literally go to nowhere, but they go up in these little tiny creeks and these little creeks and streams. They spawn, they die, and it's exactly what Shane's talking about: is that yep. nutrient base because they sit there. Those carcasses will sit there on that gravel and on that really you know low water uh, mm-hmm. little tributary and just slowly decay over time. Yep, yep. And Mother Nature's pretty smart about the time that those uh, those little uh, fry hatch out. And and need to start finding things to eat. You got all this dead carcass flo- floating yep. down in, in in you know really small uh, pieces. Well, um, there are some concerns that not enough chum are making it back. One thing that is happening between WDFW, I believe, and uh, I know the the the, the Pelp Tribes Dairu Hatchery, which is predominantly a chum hatchery mm-hmm. where they get a bunch of them come back up at the Clark's Creek. Yep. And if you've never seen Dairu Creek, it is basically a drainage ditch that goes through the farm field. Mm-hmm. And they actually have a well and a pump that if it's a low water time and those chum are coming back, they crank up the water and dump it down the creek to make sure there's water for them to get back. Mm-hmm. Now, the concrete holding ponds are out in front of that that uh, facility, and you can stop by any time in, uh, around November and just see it boiling with chum. Now, they don't just harvest the eggs out of these chum. They take the carcasses and mm-hmm. throw thousands of them into trucks, and they truck them up high into the system. They throw them carcasses up high in the system. Yep. For decomposition, so that is one effort that is going on uh, amongst the tribes and some state, I believe, involvement to uh, to make that happen. But Shane's point is valid in that it does start with nutrient base and in you know in habitat to a point. Absolutely, for sure. Let's get into a handful of texts from last week. Uh, number one: Why are we not allowed to keep two fish a year on the Puyallup and the Nisqually and then catch and release the rest of the season? And I'm going to continue on with another with a secondary follow-up. As I live five minutes from the Puyallup, I can't catch and release there after December the 31st. Fish don't get there in numbers until February. Uh, I take 10 two- to three-day trips to Oregon a year to fish for steelhead. It's just a shame 
that I can't take my busy son steelhead fishing locally. And the last question, are there any plans to restore the Puyallup River to the way it was in the 1980s? <laughs> That's everybody's wish, of course. Yeah, of course, of course it is. I mean, yep. who wouldn't want to have, you know, opportunity yeah. to be fishing back in the mid-80s yep. like we did on the Puyallup and uh, the numbers of fish that came back and the good mixture of hatchery fish mm-hmm. that were surviving. And, and you know, it was, it was uh, I don't know, pretty consistent. Go down there and catch one or two. Yep. And go home with your limit, uh, especially through the holiday season, you know. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. And, you know, referring to as we get, into January and look through, you know, what used to just be that that token time, those wild fish, especially when you start fishing little streams like the carbon. Mm-hmm. Or back in the day when I grew up and I had the opportunity up until I was 17 years old fishing South Prairie Creek, all wild fish, mm-hmm. you know, and just to have that opportunity again would be fantastic. Um, and to open up a catch and release, well, look at what's going on at the Skagit right now. Yep. And, and we keep, we're talking about it. And uh, there's a high probability that in 2018 we might see that option to have a catch and release. And if we get back to the point of opportunity after January, let's say yep. it's a two-month window, it's a six-week, whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever yeah. yep. the run will support right, Correct. in managing Correct. these fisheries, these wild yep. fish to come back, uh, who wouldn't want to have that opportunity for a catch and release? Retaining fish, can't we keep one or two? Uh, you know, we've already worked hard and finally passed a mandated need of yep. uh, no wild fish retention anywhere in the state of Washington. Yep. And I really hope we never go back on that unless we find our rivers, Joel Shangle, teeming with, you know, 20,000 <laughs> yeah. wild fish. Never, never say never. Never but, say but, never. But, never. but yeah. you know, right now as it is, we're trying to build these fish runs yeah. back up and hopefully they get there and, and we can look forward to, man, who wouldn't want to spend a, a crisp, cold morning mm-hmm. uh, on the Carbon River walking the banks for a couple, three miles up and down, fishing water up, fishing water down, yeah, and so catching release and wild steelhead. You're talking about something there that is sort of endemic to a, a large number of people, basically anyone who lives south of Seattle who grew up you know, in the past you know, 30 to 40 years yeah. catching fish. And, it's, and as, we, as we pointed out in our discussions with, uh, with John McMillan last, last weekend mm-hmm. and, and previously before that when we had him on the phone, there, there is, there is hope for the for the Puyallup. I mean, there's, there really definitely. Is. A, I mean, you know, we and we we when John threw the number out there, I believe the number was twenty twenty one hundred. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah, and twenty three, and then the Squally, or that was flipped. Uh, but yeah, but but when when he put that number out there, I don't know whether you noticed this, but the text tool it blew lit up. up. Like what? Yeah, how many fish? What? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's you know obviously for folks who you know who have who have, who have loved those rivers forever and ever. Uh, I mean that's good news. It's good. It's good news. I mean, basically, as you, as you pointed out, maybe we can follow the lead of the Skagit, which will potentially have a fishery in 2018. Yeah. The uh, you know the true essence of that is just uh, as I reflect back. I mean, what we do now. I spend a lot of time fishing down, you know, closer to where I live now, and, mm-hmm. and put a lot of boat time in on Wainuchi Sats, up sure. pump tulips, head out to the coast a few times mm-hmm. a year. I don't even, you know, haven't the last several years dipped my foot into mm-hmm. the Puyallup system. Mm-hmm. And uh, where you're down there, and it's, yeah, it's beautiful, it's scenic. You know, I put up a little picture yesterday, just some nice green water, just steely green mm-hmm. on, the, on the upper Wainuchi. It's a beautiful day. But I'm telling you, man, there's something about walking the Carbon River because in most areas, as you go up and are heading around corners and stuff, there's Mount Rainier, man. It is right there like yeah, you could just walk yeah. up this stream and go touch it. I mean, yeah. it is literally right there. And you get a cool, crisp morning like we got now. Yeah. Sun coming up. Oh. Guides freezing for the first few hours. And it's crystal clear. And hardly anybody else out there because it's too damn cold. Um, and your opportunity to catch and release wild steelhead and look at that mountain in the rear view is just. It's, there it's, are very few things in, in the outdoors world that are better than that. Yeah. It really doesn't get much better mm-hmm. than that. You know, Certainly. and. 
if we get to the point where, much like out on the coast, where we find ourselves in that season, it's artificial lures only, and it's this and it's that, it's pinched barbs and it's no bait, Mm -hmm. great. You know what? They're wild fish, and we've worked hard to bring them back. And as I mentioned last week, we've already gone through post-80 era. Absolutely. We've spent, yep. you know, it is now 30 years since mm-hmm. 1986, mm-hmm. if my math is correct. I'm a Franklin <laughs> Pierce grad, so I can never guarantee it is. But <laughs> the fact is we've already gone down that road. Absolutely. We got to the we point know. where we had 90 hatchery fish coming back yeah. to the Voice Creek hatchery. We don't want to no. do know, this again, no. right? We know, what that, we know what that looks like. It doesn't, it doesn't look good. And, you know, I put the onus on the co-managers, too. Absolutely. We're talking about opening this doggone Skagit. Absolutely. And they're looking at harvest opportunities. How many fish can we take? Yep. And I look at it and mm-hmm. say, people in the community, you know what? Steelhead don't even taste that doggone good. No. So quit quit yeah. requesting it on your plate in the restaurant. Nobody yeah. gives a crap. Man, no. eat salmon. No. Okay? Yep. You know, let's save our wild fish. And that goes for us as recreational anglers. Mm-hmm. And doggone it, the, the, the co-managers need to stop gilding it and wild steelhead. End of story. That's it, period. Yeah. No more, no more discussion on that deal. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll get to... We'll, we'll save the, the, the final question about uh, the potential uh, for a dam on the Chehalis River to the end of the show. Damn. In the meantime, break time. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, about the potential for, um, I guess you'd say, kind of a kind of a murky time here on the Columbia River as regards to gillnets. We'll talk to Commissioner Dave Grabo right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR, Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Saturday morning, 647 on Sports Radio 950 KJR, Comcast, Sportsnet Northwest, and you can hear us around the country on the iHeartRadio app. If you know anybody who happens to live in, oh, I don't know, Cleveland, Ohio, who needs to hear the wild country, tell them about the wild, the, uh, the iHeartRadio app. They, they actually hear, they they hear should be Cleveland, listening to Cleveland, Ohio. They absolutely should be. Why wouldn't they? All right. We got nothing yeah. else to do. No, that's right. Uh, not win any football games, that's no, for darn sure. no. All right, so one of the uh, one of the major issues of discussion, and it will be for the next uh, month or so, is uh, the the shift of the um, I guess you'd call the the, the program for mainstem Columbia River uh, non tribal gillnetters. We we have discussed this on the air, sort of at I don't want to say ad nauseum, but uh, but it's definitely been kind of a, a point of discussion over the past handful of weeks, especially as we found out that the the uh, Oregon Fish and Wildlife Commission is favoring mm-hmm. uh, an extension of the transition period. They're basically giving themselves a year more or less to kind of decide what exactly they're going to do with this whole thing. Bottom line is that is that you know sportsmen and women in the states of Washington and Oregon. Uh, a little bit upset about the fact that um, the, the the proposed and agreed upon uh, change is possibly going to be, at the very least, delayed. My biggest concern when they start talking delaying enacting what's already been voted on previously and mm-hmm. has been moving forward for the previous you know two to three years as it was uh, mandated to do so, is that they're stonewalling to the point where they're going to just get to where they they just want to make it go away. Is my fear is that they're going to go down the road and they're going to try to make this thing go away versus actually stepping in and doing the right thing. So we will have a vote of the Washington Fish and Wildlife Commission here shortly uh, on exactly how they will uh, proceed with that particular issue. And joining us here is one of the folks who will actually participate in that vote is Dave Graybill, a Fish and Wildlife Commissioner. Mr. Graybill, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks, good. Wayne. Good, good, good to good to hear your voice. Now, so we, so we have this we had this this meeting in Olympia last week, and we had obviously discussion, uh, you know, opinions from both sides of the fence, uh, both sport anglers and also from the kind of the commercial fleet. Uh, I, I'm just kind of curious how this whole thing is 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 being discussed 
uh, in the commission. And and once once we get to a point where it's a vote, um, I'm curious about some of the 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 factors that would possibly influence that vote. Um, well, I'm not sure what you mean by factors, but uh, sorry, Dwayne, it's just been very clear that Oregon is resisting moving into 2017 with uh, uh, the allotments that were discussed in or set in the original policy that was formulated uh, several years ago. And um, I myself don't want to, I don't want to see a one year delay. I don't want to see any delays. I want to go into 2017 uh, with all the gillnets off the main stem river. Dave, I think the biggest question here that uh, nobody has really been able to answer or nobody has seen, we haven't seen on social media, haven't put, you know, haven't seen anybody from the Oregon side put it out there. What's the justification? What's the reasoning behind their option to delay uh, moving forward with this um, this plan that's been in place? Uh, you know, what's what's the reason for delaying it for a year? They have, they've given no justification for it unless they had discussions with you on the Washington Commission as to why. No, they just they want to delay, 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 and make it go away. In my opinion, um, we don't want to see a delay. We want to uh, adopt this uh, measure in our January meeting. In my opinion, and uh, keep our promises to the uh, recreational anglers of Washington mm-hmm. State. Well, it's a difficult pill for most folks to swallow, Dave, because, I mean, obviously we have the, the Columbia River Basin enhancement uh, fee, which we've been paying here in Washington for a number of years. But specifically, both states, um, anglers on both sides of the river, have paid a specific fee. I believe it's been nine seventy five. I don't remember what the chart, nine seventy five for the Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the past handful of years, specifically meant to kind of sort of to, to ease the commercial fleet into this transition. I think, and, and, and I don't think there's a single sport angler among us who, who, who is happy about the fact that the money that we have paid over the past handful of, of years is, is, is sort of in, in most people's opinions, kind of ignored in this whole thing. Uh, if you're speaking about the Columbia river salmon steelhead endorsement, um, that we pay if you, fish for salmon or steelhead Mm -hmm. on the Columbia River and its tributaries. Yes. Um, And that's been pointed out um, several times that uh, that represents about 200,000 anglers pay that fee for the privilege to fish the Columbia River. And this, uh, to ignore that by postponing the decision uh, is not a wise move. <laughs> uh, we just can't ignore uh, the recreational community and its priority. And I uh, can tell you, at least from, from my position, that I'm, I expect to do all I can to make sure that the gillnets are off the main stem after 2017. So as far as a nine-person panel uh, with a chairperson, uh, you know, what, what's your gut feeling as far as the direction this, this may go for Washington, if you can be so bold? I mean, are we, are we looking to favorably, you know, vote to continue to move forward with what's supposed to uh, be enacted? Or do you think there's uh, some of your constituents that may be holding back a little bit? Well, I think that uh, if we took a straw vote, I think that it would pass our commission. I'm not saying it's 100%. Sure. Uh, 
I'm not saying it's unanimous, but I believe we have enough people uh, committed to the idea uh, presented in the uh, policy, Columbia River policy, that it would pass. Is Oregon, have they indicated at all, are they going to revisit this, or have they pretty much drawn the line in the sand and said, that's it, we're holding off for a year? Uh, we have a meeting on Monday Okay. with the Oregon Commission um, to revisit this discussion. And uh, we'll, we'll learn more then. Uh, and also, there's a period of time now between our vote, which is January 14th, and Oregon's next commission meeting. Uh, so the, the, the sand has not run out of the hourglass, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, okay? that we can have, uh, um, when our position is clear, and also, I think it's important right now, going and Joe, that the recreational community make their voices heard. Mm-hmm. Not only here, but also on the Oregon side of the river. I think it's really important that the the vote that Oregon announced caught everyone by surprise. It was very early in the process. Uh, you know, we had intended to meet with them again and all of a sudden you know we get a vote of five to two announced out of Oregon the day after I'm, I think it was actually the day after there was a letter uh, to from the Oregon Senate supporting the Columbia River policy and also a letter signed by about five other um, organizations uh, but they came out like the day after uh, that Oregon vote was announced. So the recreational community and industry is just was just ramping up in its support of the policy, and their vote caught everyone by surprise. But I believe that with continued effort in support of the policy, uh, that that could change. So we have a, a meeting on Monday. Dave, I hope, I hope you don't mind if we give you a shout here sometime in the next couple of days after that. Kind of curious about, uh, about what, your, what your, your observations of that meeting will be. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy to talk to you about the future of what I think decision could very well be. Um, there will – I – the position, I think, that uh, the majority of our commissioners are taking is to adopt the policy, and if you're familiar with it, uh, moves to an 80-20, roughly, yeah. on uh, sharing. That uh, is the, uh, Washington Fish and Wildlife Commissioner uh, Dave Grable. Dave, thank you very much for your time this morning. Much appreciated, my friend. All right. Thank you. You know, we're running out of time here, but the uh, the interesting component, I mean, it, it's ni- it, nice. It's it's great that he made the statement that they're going to meet mm-hmm. with Oregon again and, you know, kind of revisit this thing. And I think it's going to kind of be, you guys, are you sure you want to move forward with this vote or maybe do you want to take a, take a recount? Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they come back and go, okay, hey, you know what? Yeah, yep. we're going to stick with the plan. Because if they don't, the next yep. conversation we have with uh, Mr. Graybill as he looks into his fish magician crystal ball <laughs> is uh, 
Yeah. You know, how are we going to manage this fishery? Indeed. On opposite sides of the river, when we have two different plans aligned, we yeah. will uh, we'll do our best to report on the, that meeting as yeah. it happens on Monday. Let's take a break. When we come back with the Haugen Half Hour, get your goose questions ready right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.